0: put down the devices and open your ears because you have just stumbled into another edition of mark talk you didn't really stumble you 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 actively made the choice to come on over and i for one appreciate it uh always happy to have Viewers, not viewers, but listeners, and an audience. I'm happy to have an audience, so thank you for taking the time. And uh, guess what? I know you all have missed it so terribly. I kind of haven't missed it terribly because uh, I've been taking a hiatus from this particular subject. But it's time to get back into it. I'm talking, of course, about the wonderful world, Ice and Fire. And to those not in the know, which I can't imagine who you are... Game of Thrones, but at this point that Game of Thrones is just a, that's the show title. It's the book title, but the world is a song of ice and fire. And if you don't, well, hey, guess what? Now, you know, you're welcome. Particularly. Awesome and cool special episode because I for one am not alone. It is not just mark talk. It is just uh, uh, Game of Thrones talk with your host mark, and I am joined by infamous. let's call him let's call him infamous. I call him uh, Infamous I call him a buddy I call him sir Thomas the tall
1: from the show ruminations on anchor Thomas how are you sir i'm great mark thank you so much for having me on man i've been uh i think i've been listening to your show for what's it been 3 years now ever since the daily thrones days man oh my god 3 3 years yeah, yeah. even even with the hiatus <laughs> i was i was still subscribed i was there you well you
0: are one of those uh dedicated followers that i was talking about and i appreciate you sir and uh likewise that's that's kind of how we uh we met through we didn't even really meet we were just sort of um Audio acquaintances, because we were <laughs> frequent callers to the uh, the uh, gone but not forgotten Daily Throne show, now renamed Casterly Talk. Yep, which uh, which we both, I believe, are still a uh, frequent um, you, you're you're like directly involved with it at
1: yeah. times, <laughs> yeah, man. I i, I luckily kind of stumbled into that just you know, with all of the calls back in the day. Ken asked me to uh, write a segment one time, and it just kind of kept going into what became ruminations from the realm. So that's uh, that was a really weird spin to end up on the other side talking about it instead of just suggesting the topics. That was really interesting, man.
0: Well, it's no wonder because, yeah, you would have those segments on the show by by itself. And, you know, just like Ken, I got intrigued by them. I, I thought, you know, this guy, he's, he's on to something. Thomas is on to some stuff here. God, why didn't I? There were literally times where I thought, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> and I and I wouldn't get mad. I would just I would kind of beat myself up a little bit and it's like, "You know what? You could have thought about stuff like that. You should have uh, this Thomas, he beat you to the punch. You you dumb <laughs> idiot. But it's okay. It's okay because I I would find myself agreeing with the things you would say and I would uh, just my brain would start really really uh uh kind of just unscrambling everything that you would bring up and i go yeah this is a good think piece so kudos to that and obviously uh ken recognized it and now you are uh you're kind of one of the uh small council members as it were on casterly talk
1: yeah and i'm very very humbled and grateful to be a part of that man you know like uh i think we were just uh bsing about the idea of being on a little bit of a hiatus from the world Mm -hmm. of ice and fire and you know i've been there myself so it's Fun to be to hear all this stuff and go back to the nostalgic days of Daily Thrones when there wasn't this big discourse and and um, disagreement in general over over Game of Thrones and how things are going and ending both with show and books. Oh, the discourse, yeah. With oh, jeez, <laughs> <laughs> I
0: get I, like I'm I'm exhausted just thinking about the the discourse and what what a divide the fan community became. Um, and actually. I may have even talked about this in an earlier episode but I don't even think it's the fan community it because Game of Thrones is a worldwide phenomenon. It's true. You know, it's it's the last show I think that's been a uh, a global event. Absolutely. And TV agree. shows, yeah, when TV shows were were really really popular and there was only only so few of them, they were global events because we were all watching it. Uh, now these days, in the days of uh, streaming and binging, there's no there's no such thing as a global event. You might be able to say it's kind of a global event, you uh, just in the fact that yeah. hey, it all dropped. Yeah. We should all be watching it this weekend, right? It's so we can talk the same, about though. it. Uh, but Game of Thrones was uh, was kind of the last, uh, <laughs> the 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 last uh, the last watch.
1: Yeah, it was the last um, bastion of of that ability to have friends over to watch a show together and sit in front of a TV true. with a yeah. crowd. You know, how often do you want to do that? For me, the last time I can remember doing that with such enthusiasm was way back when Friends ended. <laughs> that's you know <laughs> oh, man, like that's man. that's going back right. So like we're we're talking over back. ten years in between these and like it's it's fun to look at game of thrones now that it's all over and look back and we can put all of the discourse aside for a second and just look at what we were given, you know, look at the Emmys this year. Exactly.
0: Maybe. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you for yeah. bringing up the Emmy, uh, the Emmys. Uh, uh. First, first thing I'm a Seinfeld guy, not a friend's guy. Sorry, <laughs> uh, but that's, but that, that's cool. My brother's a friend's guy. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> the the battle never ends. but yes, the Emmys the that's such a good thing to bring up because in spite of and I'm gonna uh, you know i'm gonna I'm gonna do a little something here that i I promised myself I wouldn't do, but I'm gonna do it. <laughs> I'll agree to click on here, but here's the thing to all of the haters who said season eight, worst season ever, my show is ruined for <laughs> your show. It's not your show. <laughs> no. And it is no one's show. If 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 the show belongs to anyone, it belongs to the creators, the writers, everyone who worked on it, and of course, George R.R. Martin.
1: Yeah, we're just along for the ride, man. As, as viewers, you know, exactly. we we are lucky to be seeing this and to demand That's, anything yeah. different or or any change from what they gave us is is so entitled it's beyond my comprehension. Uh, you true. know, it's one thing to dislike something, but it's another to go past the point of, of feeling passionately to actually edge into entitlement and say, you know, we deserved a better ending, or let's start a petition to get the the last season of the show remade. Like how, how horribly entitled is that?
0: That one actually did put a big smile on my face in the midst of all the discourse (laughs) and the irritation because I go, Oh, you people and your petitions. That's adorable. That is so cute. Uh, just like you Last Jedi people, but we're not going to go there because that's yeah. a whole other conversation that I'm sure one day I will have. But <laughs> the Emmys, the Emmys acknowledged and wonderful the last season was. Uh, And you could you could argue even they're acknowledging how great the show was as a whole. Yeah,
1: there's an appreciation.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's absolute appreciation, and you can talk all you want about how you felt about the uh, the pacing of the last season, uh, the writing, the direction. It doesn't matter because with the Emmys, and all of those people that were there in attendance that are in the industry knew what it took to put together that season. They knew the hard work, the dedication, everything and they were there to support it they they came out in droves to support it and i for one am extremely happy with the turnout that game of thrones received the 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 appreciation uh the awards i pers- if i'm just speaking personally i wish it had received all the awards but that's okay <laughs> it's okay it got the ones i think that mattered not uh limited to but also including um uh, a uh i believe dan and dave the showrunners Received an award for writing an episode? <laughs> Not so bad now, are they? <laughs> Thought they were terrible writers. The writers ruined it. Yeah. And, I, and I know for a fact I've mentioned this before on the show. The things you love about the TV show, people, you, most of that is due in no small part, including the showrunners. You love all that stuff with uh, with Arya and Charles Dance in Season 2. Guess what? Not in the books. Nope. Sorry. Yep. It's not there. That it's wonderful, wonderful scene yeah. with
1: Cersei and Robert in uh, Season 1, not in the books. That is my favorite Robert scene. Yep. Me That's too, man. Absolute favorite Robert right scene. Right there it with you. Great.
0: Not in the books. Nope. It's just uh, it drives me nuts, Thomas. Yeah, it drives they, me nuts. They I gave know it us... drives you nuts, and that is why we had to take a break from it. Yep. we just we needed uh, we needed to breathe. Yeah, we it's... needed to breathe until we heard something new about uh, what's coming down the pipeline. And frankly, I was very keen. Wait for Winds of Winter to finally drop when I turn 65, and I would have been, and I would have been happy with it because of like, oh look, I'm 65, I'm retired. What do I do now but read books? How about that? I got a new one. It's the it's the sixth book in the series. We, we could start Winds a book club in the home. Drop. That's that. Yeah, with with myself and uh, maybe technology will uh, be so advanced at that point that we can have uh, holograms. Where uh, we all go. we all can have in-person conversations <laughs> when we're not in the same place together. Our own
1: small council. Yes,
0: absolutely, <laughs> and that's what we'll call it. Boom, nope. nailed it. There Trailer. you go, done. Uh, as as luck would have it, we wouldn't have to wait very long for some news because uh, you know we got some word about the uh, the aforementioned uh, prequel series that's supposed to take place during the. Uh, the Age of Heroes, it's either going to be called The Longest Night, The Darkest Night. Uh, I know Ken loves to joke <laughs> about that because it's funny. Yeah. Um, Blood Long Moon. The Blood Long Moon. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the working title of Blood Moon, which we know is not a thing. And uh, But wouldn't it be hilarious if it ends up being a thing because they can't this, they can't come up with a better <laughs> yeah, title.
1: Yeah, and I hope not. Like, I, I desperately hope that's not the case. I'd like to think with all the wonderful minds on that that Blood Moon won't be what they settle on.
0: I, I mean, if it does take place during the first long night, uh, then maybe... Uh, the reason why it's called blood moon is because, well, it's all dark, but the moon's still up there. It's just, uh, it's got this weird red hue to it. Oh, it's a blood moon. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, they could write the whole it off show like takes that. place under it.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's, that's about, it's hard to, to put logic to the title blood moon. I think that's why all of like the, the diehard song of ice and fire fans kind of struggle with that working title is because we're all trying mm. to figure out why does that matter? Right? now that i've
0: spoken into existence it's probably gonna be <laughs> yeah that, i'm gonna uh, blame you when that announcement comes if, if that's the case i apologize to all of you yeah
1: i'm gonna blame you I
0: don't, uh, yeah i i don't worship the lord of light so i did not uh <laughs> i don't have that power
1: <laughs> yeah man so where? where do you think this show is headed like where do you think where do you think we're we're going with this fire and blood gimmick is it actually going to be that or are we gonna are we just gonna get this one are, are, the, the rumor yeah, yeah. is that one might counsel out the other right
0: Right. Well, well you beat me to it because that's uh we got the earlier in September, we got the news that uh, guess what? We're we're getting another prequel show and it is going to be based on loosely, but probably not as loose as you think, uh based on the book Fire and Blood, which is the thing of the Targaryen dynasty in Westeros, all the way back from the conquering and all the way up to uh, seemingly the death of Aerys Second, uh, the Mad King, as you know him. We haven't gotten the... It's only one volume, apparently. We're going to get another one, and that'll detail what we didn't get. But in Fire and Blood, if you haven't read it, an extensive history of where the Targaryens... Uh, where they started as far as Westeros goes. All yeah, Like I said, all the way from um, The Conquering by Aegon the Conqueror, uh and then we go all the way down to I honestly how far we got at the end of uh, volume one, but um a pretty long way. Or at least it seems like a long way because the Targaryen Dynasty There are so many Targaryens. And you know what's hilarious about the Targaryens is they love to name themselves themselves and after their ancestors and after so it's really hard to uh there's there's about like what five different Haman targaryens <laughs> yeah. in this book alone yep uh there, there there's a whole bunch of them. i'm not even gonna try and remember all the names because like i said i've only been through the book once yeah. and there's just no way it is a pretty fantastic read because there's a lot more detail uh in the lore that we haven't been uh privy to and so now we got word, and it's it's uh there there's a pilot order at least that we are gonna get a show based on the Targaryen Dynasty. And my thought is my my initial thought was hell freaking yes. Yeah. That's my initial thought because oh, what, is, what do you think the number one thing people tune in to Game of Thrones for? What do you think the number one thing is that they tune in for? I'll
1: I'll give you a hint. They have two wings. Claws and scales.
0: The answer was the political intrigue, but you're close. <laughs> ah, this, <damn>. I'm, <laughs> I am kidding. Yes. Yes, you are. You are. Well, depending on who you talk to, yes. <laughs> depending but, on which uh, show we're yeah, talking yeah. about. <laughs> uh, again, we circle back to those people like, oh,
1: they ruined the show. Not enough politics. <laughs> That's oh, not at all what I meant. <laughs>
0: it's like, shut up. Yeah. No, uh, uh, but yes, you are correct. The dragons. That is what everyone tunes into. And look, I love the political intrigue of the show. It's great. The uh, the the scheming, the plotting, the backstabbing, that's yeah. all well and good. But let me ask you, do you really want five to six full seasons of that? Because, well, you pretty much got it. After you're done with all of the political intrigue, at some point, something's got to burn.
1: Oh, man. You like, know? Yeah.
0: You introduced these, these mythical creatures. That's th- that's all they talk about in season one, if you go back and watch it, is how, yep. oh, the dragons are all dead. You know, dragons have been dead for 100 years, and dragon, dragon. And we end season one, spoiler alert, new dragons. And that's all we can think about is, oh, man, these dragons are just going to destroy and burn everything.
1: Yep. So, yeah, you got to follow through with that. Yeah, man. I think it was like one, yeah. like 175 AC or something like that, I think was around when the last dragon fell. So, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at 170 plus years of dragonless uh, politics post that period of time. So fire and blood, I guess this is, this is where I'm I'm hung up here is where is fire and blood actually going to take place within the history we got from the fire and blood book? Like that's where I'm confused here
0: that's that's certainly the question and uh we even have uh words a blog entry if you will uh yeah blog entries are still a thing if you're yeah. george R. R. martin himself because he still writes a blog and that's cool because i'm glad he did he gave us some some details about what we're to expect for he this did. uh this fire and blood series and what he he was mum about a lot of details, and he even made a joke about "Oops, almost slipped." I can't say that <laughs> stuff yet, but he says I can say there will be dragons. Yep. Uh, everyone else said it, so why not me? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that makes me wonder if no one had said a word about the dragons, would he have? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. No. Um, he he said that they have a pilot order. They're going to be lots of dragons. He would not say would take place but it is worth noting that he uh he does say one of the shows is based on material from one of my books and underneath that quote he plasters the uh book cover of fire and Blood. and blood so i mean you do the math
1: yeah
0: it's gonna be about fire and blood but your question where is it gonna take place because like i said this book is full of a it's a rich history just based on, um, I mean, I don't even think we make it in this uh, in this book. I'm not sure. You, you, your uh, your math might. I'm be just better trying to remember. I'm just
1: trying to flip to the end of the book and actually figure out where in the where like year wise we would end up. I think it's. I think we're somewhere around 150. Like I think we're only halfway through the the history.
0: Well, yeah, it would have to be because, yeah. like I said, this Fire and Blood is this is just Volume
1: One. Yeah, I actually think we're a little so, less uh, than halfway. I, th- I could be wrong. I think we're a little less than halfway.
0: Right. So it's an it's an extensive history. The uh, I believe Aegon had uh, what did uh, Aegon's conquering to the beginning of Game of Thrones. That's 300 years, right?
1: Yes, that's that's like the timeline that they kind of use the timestamp. It's before the uh, before conquest and after conquest. So Aegon Aegon Targaryen's considered the zero year of that, even though it started around right
0: yeah because uh, the the whole AC after yep. conqueror yep. and uh, yep. yeah that's that's exactly right yeah I just need to make sure it was 300 years and look a lot of things happen oh my god if I just looked at the cover of the book it says 300 years before a game of Thrones <laughs> <laughs> I'm not editing that out folks I'm just gonna you're, you're gonna hear my mistakes I never edit Rock my it. mistakes I just there it is yep we, we we course correct here You live with them. but uh there yeah we live with it I'm fine with it a lot can happen in one year. Three hundred years of just nothing but conquering and wars and dragons. Yep. Thinking, well, this is most certainly going to be the most expensive show that uh, Game uh, HBO has ever done, and. Originally Game of Thrones was their most expensive show they've ever done and that only had three damn dragons. They're just gonna keep doing
1: themselves, right? They,
0: it had it had three dragons and sometimes some dire wolves. <laughs> sometimes uh, you know, and, and the only reason and that and that's that's another thing that drove me nuts about it. Look, I get people, you want the direwolves. You want them there all the time. I get it. I love the wolves. However, do you want the wolves or do you want the dragons? Because yeah. our budget only I say hour like I'm a part of the show. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's how attached to the show I am. I know. I talk about the, it the same
0: way. It allows so much, and I guarantee you, mark my words. If we had had mostly direwolves and an occasional one dragon moment, there would have been outrage. Yep. Bet me there would have been outrage. Twitter would be like, "Where's the dragons? Hashtag Where's the dragons?" Yep. Well, man, you know it's a give and take. But that's why in case, in case you all weren't in the know, uh, because obviously I'm in the know, <laughs> no, but I mean, I understand the, uh, some of the mechanics here and the mechanics are both all the time. Yep. You kind of, you just kind of, you got to make do, make do as Tyrion says.
1: <laughs> and I mean, I just double checked too. So it's looking like uh, I'm the, the first volume of fire and blood here ends uh, right at the beginning of the rag of A- reign of egg the third, the broken king. So that's, uh, that's yes, somewhere yes. around 131 AC. So we have 131 years of history from just from this book for the Fire and Blood show. And there's also 120 years of Targaryens in Westeros before that.
0: Yes, that's, that's absolutely true. So, uh, yeah, you're, you, you hit it. You're right, uh, right below halfway there. Yep. Um, in those uh, 123 years, there is so much history. Oh, and insane. quite frankly, I don't. I don't know that I have an answer for you on where I think it's going to. Uh, what the show is ultimately going to end up. Now I did hear a rumor, and I cannot find the source of it, but I did hear a rumor is not just going to be based on Fire and Blood and the Targaryen dynasty, but that it's going to be an anthology show.
1: Ooh, I like that. Yeah. I'm on board.
0: Whereas uh, it it won't be just a direct. Here's the history. Season 1 is this year. Season 2 is this year, you know. Yep. What have you like we got in uh in Game of Thrones will have each episode will be different
1: times of history. Uh, now that that could be awesome, but that could also be confusing. And I feel like they don't have enough time. You know, if they do single episodes like I'd almost be interested in I'm not sure if you watched The Terror, the show that uh, AMC did. It was a historical you know, I fiction. Don't. I don't know that show. They they did uh, they did 8 episodes. And it was uh, it's it's anthology wise. So the second season moved on to a different subject, and I actually really ah, okay. like the idea of doing eight episodes of one. So it's thing. like
0: uh, it's like if Black Mirror was connected. Exactly. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Okay. See. So, yeah. All right. If if they decide they want to do that, the problem it, the problem is going to be this. Let's say they do an anthology episode. Yeah. Or uh, or uh, series, and details the conquering. Or uh, episode one ends with Aegon landing in the North and confronting uh, Torrhen Stark, the yeah. uh, the original King of the North. Yep. And then the episode ends. I was like, well, well, then what happened? Now we know, as you know, lifelong yep. nerds and and uh, uh, students of this lore, as it were. We know what happens, and, you know, the, his, the show Game of Thrones has already told us what happened. Like, King Torrhen is the king who knelt. Yeah. Because yeah. he did not want to see the northern people die. So we know that. However, in Fire and Blood, there is a lot more to it.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's, they, there's they go tons into, of politics yeah,
0: right. Yeah, exactly. They go into the politics, they go into the uh, details, or uh, I'll do you one better. Here you go. What if episode one is uh, when Aegon access to or he uh uh heron the black refuses to kneel
1: start off with heron uh, hall
0: and he and it it ends with the burning of heron hall oh, which man. by the way is still smoky uh that would <laughs> so be great just think about that if yeah. you think drogon dragon wait till you see
1: balerion the dread
0: <laughs> he was given that name for a
1: reason oh man that's see, and that's one of the things is some i'm really thrown off about what they're gonna do here because part of mm-hmm. me wants them to do the first 130 years of Targaryen history and just do it as a yes. show and break it up as best they can. Um, you know, it's going to be tricky, but I think they can pull it off. They've shown that they, they can take such dense material and expand on it. Um, right. So I'd be cool with seeing that. But ultimately, for me, the perfect place to do a fire and blood story about Targaryens and the descent of House Targaryen, not the ascent of House Targaryen, is mm-hmm. to start with the events of the Hedge night. That would be interesting. Um
0: you're and you're you're referring to Sir Duncan the Tall, yes? Yes,
1: yeah, starting there and then and then using because that in spoilers for anybody who's not read Tales of Duncan Egg, three, two, one, bye. <laughs> um so with with egg's identity, that's kind of mm-hmm. the in. That would be like our, our Targaryen POV character, so that we can mm-hmm. actually feel for them. And then slowly over the next whatever, 30, 40, 50 years, we begin to see uh, Ares comes into his reign. Then we see the tragedy at Summerhall, mm-hmm. right? And then we see the the lives of, Ra- of the beginning of the life of Rhaegar. And we could actually end that show very, like 10 years prior to the beginning of the events of A Song of Ice and Fire, which for I me would like be a wonderful yeah. prequel,
0: right? I feel like that that would be that would be an absolute great way to go. It still bothers me that, The conversations and I'm sure maybe it might even be down the road, but it bothers me that the first prequel spin-off show we're getting is not the Dunkin' Egg Chronicles. Oh, I know.
1: I'm so bothered by that. I took that as a personal offense.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Because I mean the it's all there. Well, most of it's there. Like George has has stated recently that he's still got Dunkin' Egg stories he wants to write, or that he's got coming down the pipeline, and I go Winds of Winter, yeah. sir. <laughs> I, I want that. Like, to don't, work, don't go back. Like, stop. Even when Fire and Blood came out, I went, "Okay, but why?" Yeah. I want freaking Winds of Winter. Give me, <laughs> don't give me the past. It's give so me the, hard. Give me the present and the future. Yeah. Like, give me that. Yeah. And then when you're done with that, give me the past so that we. But yeah, whatever. Um, hey, <laughs> I, I think that's a killer idea. But but I mean, but going back to the anthology thing. What if you end one episode with uh, the the uh, let's call it the the desolation of Hall, and then the very next episode you're going, oh wow, okay, cool. So then what happens? And we shoot all the way to the Blackfire Rebellion, yeah, or something yeah. like some something yeah. happening there, and Beginning go, well, of wait, Gats what are you doing,
1: or something? yeah.
0: playing with time. But I mean, and their excuse is, well, it's an anthology show, we can do that. Like, yeah, but you're going all over the place unless thinking way too, you know, outside the box. And maybe what they're thinking is no no this series, but it but this first season's gonna take place all during the first uh the the conquering.
1: Yeah, Aegon's so, conquest. So you're yeah.
0: not so you're not gonna get a direct story of uh let's say episode one ends with uh He's already surveyed the land of Westeros. He yep. goes back to Dragonstone, and he constructs that giant table that we've seen, which yep. is a map. And that's how it ends. And maybe he even goes, shall we begin?
1: Yeah, there you go. And Bang, off, which I got chills. would be chills. an awesome
0: callback, and now I want it. I have uh, chills. And then episode two, you could be like, okay, cool. Instead of following up that directly, Horn you know or yep. like what's what's going on what's going on in the other kingdoms we just saw that the targaryens have arrived we saw that they have dragons we've we've seen now that uh this guy is about to plan something so now in your next episode we're we're doing away with that and now it's uh let's look at the daily life in dorne at the time and that I'll be honest with you that's what i really want because in fire and blood we get the dornish war oh yeah yeah uh, in we full get two effect dornish yeah. <laughs> in full effect yeah for let's not forget kids dorn never knelt never never knelt dorn was never conquered nope unbowed it's unbent in, unbroken that's exact that's exactly where those words come from the only reason dorn entered the 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 seventh of the kingdoms in the seven kingdoms uh, was through peace and marriage.
1: Yep, and the mystery letter,
0: the mystery letter, which we still don't know. And uh, if if you want more details about that, don't come to me. You're gonna have to go to George for that one, <laughs> uh, because I don't have an answer for. Neither you, do all I. We know. Yeah. Well. Oh yeah. No. None of us do, no. unless uh, un- unless uh, the uh, executive producer, uh, a one Mister. Uh, what this is. His name is. Uh, Ryan Condell. Ryan <laughs> who, Ryan Condell, who is going to be uh showrunning this Fire and Blood show, urge as a consultant. In his blog post that he that uh the pilot has a script and a Bible. Yep. And I can imagine I, I just want to look at that Bible. I just oh, want to look ugh, at man. it. It's like I just I don't even want to look inside it because I don't want to be ruined. I just I just want to look at it yeah. just as a thing and just go. Wow. Having assembled
1: a show Bible before, I can I can tell you personally that the concept of doing one for anything related to a song of ice and fire sounds like a nightmare. (laughs) So like I (laughs) want to see that just to know how it was put together.
0: Right. Well, that that begs the question, how long has this idea been kind of uh, a festering?
1: I think a long time, man. I mean, this you, know, you can would tell with Fire and Blood that George George has been sitting on a lot of these stories for a long time. You can tell just by how thought out some of them are and how interconnected they become when you start reading uh, Fire and Blood. The whole like and I never thought I'd say this, but the whole world of Ice and Fire it, it gains another level of connection throughout the 10,000 years of history. It's it's it does, really yeah. bizarre and it's it's just Everything he releases is adding more to his world. And this book is a prime example of characters people aren't familiar with. There's terms, customs, and some things that new viewers, like people who don't read the books, may be familiar with. But it's Mm -hmm. all turned on its head in this time period. Because Westeros is nothing like what people know it to be from the show they've watched now.
0: That's true. There's and there's a lot of uh, there's even uh, what what we perceive to know about the history of Westeros. A lot of it is contradicted in this book. Yep. And uh, because now we're we're being uh, there's there's light being shed upon it, and 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 it goes back to the old thing that George likes to do with uh, let's say prophecies. Yep whole point about prophecies is maybe don't take too much stock into literal translations because it's not gonna it's not gonna end up the way you think
1: yep it's not gonna serve you
0: uh you know it's not it's it's all uh i can't think of the direct quote from a feast of crows uh a feast for crows that uh Oh, what is that? That character. Uh, there's a character in that book that describes prophecy, and he has a very colorful way of describing it. Um, but it doesn't matter. Uh, but the, the whole point is, you can't, you can't rely on prophecy to be a hundred percent factual. You can't rely on history, to be a hundred percent factual, because uh, as Cersei told Joffrey, "I winners." You know what she, she told him like, you know, when your father rebelled, he was, he was a traitor. He was known as a traitor. And now, uh, you know, he was, a, they, some people still call him usurper usurper, but no, everyone said, no, 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 Robert's the king. And he did the right thing. When we know now that that whole war, not only was it based on a lie, it was bloody and it oh, was man. baffling and it was horrible. And there is so much truths that have been glossed over.
1: Well, and I, um, I love that the, alone. Yeah, man. And I love the glossed over truth. It's why I'm kind of mildly obsessed with the tragedy at Summerhall is because of the, oh, oh the yeah. maester conveniently spilt a bottle of ink over the only written history of the event. And yeah, like, we can still <laughs> deduce from it what we want, but it's part of the reason why if they do this fire and blood show, kind of depending on where they put it, if they put it later in mm-hmm. uh, like, like, you know, closer to the time period we're already familiar with, it'd be really yeah. interesting to actually see Archmaester Gildane as a character. It and, would, and, and, and uh, the unreliable yeah, narrator, a,
0: right? I was going about to make that point. the The fact that Fire and Blood is written from the perspective of of Archmaester Gildane. and yep. um, and he is writing this history based on. perspective as well, you know. We got yep. to, we have another Grandmaster at the time. We uh, like I think two. Uh, he he goes through and then there's a uh, mushroom the the dwarf
1: yeah, one of my favorite characters from the first Ooh, yeah volume dude of he's <laughs> if, if, if i don't see
0: mushroom in this show I i'm know. going to riot yeah, i don't know I'll who's gonna play him i don't care <laughs> mushroom the dwarf it, you know it's like peter dinklage's uh shoes might be th- those might be pretty big to fill Yep, very close second because <laughs> mushroom. I what I love so much about Fire and Blood is all the details that the archmessenger is trying to uh recount that he can't really decipher is what's true and what's not. But he trusts the uh the the tellings of and then here comes Mushroom and said, well, Mushroom tells a different story and
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> much more colorful. And I'm inclined to believe Mushroom's side of the story. Oh, man. Like, you know, when we're talking about interesting characters like Mushroom, too, like another character I would love to see is Nettles.
0: Yeah. You know, depending on where
1: they put this. Like, that's a really fun character. I'm I'm all for houses and doing, you know, doing a little bit of what we've already seen. But I'm also all for putting the spotlight on the character we wouldn't expect because we've already gone through. Song of Ice and Fire. We've already seen the heroes do their hero things. I'd love to be sure, more attached sure, yeah. to the side characters, and I think that's why I love the idea that, of Dunk and yeah, Egg. Is because yeah. I don't I don't see Dunk as a hero so much as just a good person.
0: I see him as a. Uh, I mean, he's he's doing what he's essentially the Brienne of Tarth of that story exactly. in the sense that uh, well, one, he's tall, <laughs> uh, but, but and he's a knight, but also he so hard. Yeah, all every step of the way to be the perfect representation of what a knight is. Yep, what a knight um, should be. Seems to go usually badly for him, <laughs> which does. is actually the charm I think of of those stories is the fact that with with the histories histories are written by the victors. Uh, legend says that Sir Duncan the Tall is. Was was one of the greatest knights of the seven kingdoms. He's got how many pages in the White Book dedicated to him? Yep. And you read the Duncan Egg Chronicles, and you go, "He wasn't that good of a knight, right?" <laughs> I mean, just in the sense of like, he he's not. He doesn't win a lot. Nope loses pretty much every single time and that goes every back to story
1: and that goes back to those other stories that you were mentioned that george has george has said that he has three more duncan egg tales to tell and i think yeah. that's going to be like i i really have a strong feeling that the sixth tale of duncan egg is going to culminate in the tragedy at Summerhall. Because, oh it has to be yeah it there's there's to. no other way to end that story it's it it is one of the greatest tragedies in the world of the, the modern world of westeros and, and it, really it would be a real shame to not spotlight that in a TV show about this family. I feel like that's that would be a mistake. And I can't help but wonder what was it that drove Egg to think he could do the things
0: that he was doing? It was like, oh. what, at, at what point did you. Is it just because of the Targaryen gene and you're all susceptible to madness? Because. Yep what what were you thinking and this yeah. is like
1: i'd like to and it's part of why i want him as the pov character too because i feel like people can easily get attached to egg and then also for mm-hmm. the long-term fans like us there's some reward there of getting to see uh eggs point of view as he kind of descends into that uh patented trademark fucking targaryen madness sorry i don't know if i'm allowed to swear on my bad. Oh no, absolutely! It's it's, no, it's, it's my show, okay. and I fucking say what I want. Okay, and, fuck uh, it, let's it's, go. <laughs>
0: but it's, I mean, and that's that's just that's all speculation because we really we don't know we we don't we don't have that story yet we don't. about what we know what happens yep. to Dunk and we know what happens to Egg. Yep, but we don't know. Eggs mental state. We can only like I said, we can only just assume based yep. on what happened.
1: Well and that right so, yeah, writing.
0: You're you're right. I think we do we do need that story. And I'm willing to bet if those uh if those three stories do come out, they will probably chronicle eggs crowning. Yeah. Uh Duncan's uh knighting into the uh King's Guard and then the the adventures will be
1: well what what happened during his rule. Do you do you and feel we'll like probably, of... sorry, can I, can I ask something really quick? Yeah, go ahead. Do you feel like Tales of Dunkin' Egg could be done as three movies on like HBO Max or something like that? If you adapt the stories
0: as they are as separate stories, yes, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Sorry, random absolutely thought that popped did. into my head and I was just curious as we were talking about it, that could actually play really well. And a lot of people have wanted to see, you know, a, a, a Game of Thrones film in one way or another, a, a big story told quickly.
0: That's true, and George has. Uh, I feel like. Well, he's already said that these. He wrote these books to be unfilmable. Yeah. And uh, they've already <laughs> tried. Uh, he. He's told that story years ago. They tried to make a film. It right. and it Just didn't work. He's like, well, yeah, of course it doesn't work. Too much. <laughs> I gave you. I gave you way too much. Like the the material's too dense. You cannot make this a movie. Yeah. However, the novellas of uh, Duncan Egg themselves into movies and you could not do them years ago. You couldn't, I don't even think you could do those after season one. I think now is the perfect time when you do them, especially now that H- I mean, HBO light loves to make movies yep. on the shows that they've done. They Sex and do. the cities had two. deadwood. Just got one entourage had one. Like they love doing movies. Uh, Sopranos is about to get a prequel. They love doing movies based on their shows. So, to think that conversation has not been had. I guarantee you it has and I guarantee you it's still on the table. Um as you said, th- there's just there's a plethora of characters to go through in Fire and Blood basing uh you know to see what kind of show we get. It, m- me personally, I want to see the Dornish war. I want to see that first interaction with uh uh what do they call her the uh the the uh the uh, princess of, uh, of oh, Dorne the, at the uh, time. Oh, that oh, old lady oh, who was blind.
1: Oh, oh hold on. Um, it's not, oh, God. Uh, something about the frog? Dear, toad? So like, princess Toad?
0: I think it's it's the old Toad. The or old, yeah.
1: <laughs> Listen to us trying to come up with all the stuff from George's world.
0: The point is, uh, uh, folks, if, if you need a little sugar with the medicine of uh, uh, Dorne never being oh. conquered, Aegon tried yellow toad sorry Yellow-toed, that's what I <laughs> sorry Yellow-toed. yeah good um <laughs> yeah. yeah this this blind old hag of a woman was the princess of dorne and aegon's like yo i'm conquering the seven kingdoms and you should totally kneel and i'll uh i'll grant you all this stuff and she's like nah we're good <laughs> i need but that I have- scene to play out <laughs> just <laughs> like that <though. laughs> like, okay but uh uh i have dragons okay it's like all right and I know you. I know you're blind. You can't see them, but they're like they're huge dragons, and they will burn everything. And she Free goes, fire. "Yeah, I, whatever. It's Dorn. We don't. We don't. We don't, uh, we don't do that." Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Back. There's... She. She literally sends Aegon on his way, and he's like, "Well, I'll be back." Yep. And he doesn't come back. He sends no. his sister wife, yeah. and uh, and then the old toad, the yellow toad. She's she has outsmarted she outsmarted Aegon. They were like, "Oh, we're going to come back and totally destroy it." And and I'm not going to even tell you. You got to you got to you got to check out Fire and Blood you or do. or hope and pray that uh this show details that event because that event is awesome. And what happens after that uh when uh <laughs> when the Targaryens come back to Dorne. Great. It's so great. And I want to see that. I would also Love to see, and I know it's it's jumping in time, but uh, look, what we we don't know what we're gonna get from this show, but it's most assured that we're going to see, which is the uh, any civil wars between the uh, the Targaryen families, um, and it's a it's a very very complex politics involved in it but basically think of it like family versus family it's civil war you know it's, yeah. it's you're gonna get some bad shit and you're gonna see a ton of dragons and there is one scene in particular that i must see on film i must see it i which must is see which one the the duel of dragons in the air during a thunderstorm yep. between between Prince Amon and Prince uh, uh And
1: that's the one that culminates with them crashing to the ground and, and uh yes. putting the putting Dark Sister through Amon's eye, right?
0: That's exactly it. Yep. That's, that's exactly oh it. man, it you picked the scene uh, right out of my brain. Fi- yeah. Yep. A fight in the air and and um the uh, the book details that we don't know what happened up there. Uh, we just know that uh, none of them survived, or at yep. least we think none of them survived. There's rumors, blah blah blah, and they're like, okay, no, I don't care about that. I yep. want to see it. Don't tell me. Show me. That's the thing. I think Islam, the last
1: line is in in the book when they're talking about that. Isn't the last line uh, and Dark Sister still remained in his empty eye socket, or something like that? Yeah. Like no, that's. I, I want to like see that, that yeah. visual of the dragons just heaped and clumped on the ground with with the you know these dead dead royalty with a sword through his head and the valerian dark sisters a sword i must see on film at some oh my point god yeah. yeah
0: that's i mean that's that's going to be this show's version of uh ice yeah you know? I, I think so Whereas, as well like ice was this symbolic sword even though if you if you go back we only saw ice like a couple of times yeah a handful yep such a i mean it's like the broad sword and it's oh. uh, ceremonial so to speak uh, it became iconic. Not to mention, season one had, uh, you know, Sean Bean on the throne with Ice. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so like, oh, and, then and, and then later and then they, being
1: having his own head removed with his own sword, right? Courtesy of Payne. That
0: too. Yeah, and then Ice being turned into the dual blades of uh, Oathkeeper and Widow's Whale. Yep. Um, which is uh, also very sad. And and yeah, so Tywin Lannister, go eat shit. Um <laughs> eat shit in hill, sir. But um uh,
1: Yeah, I gotta I gotta ask you this because I just had a thought stemming off of the uh the idea you're talking about with Doran earlier. Yeah, so if yeah. they if they do that that story and we do see Aegon receiving the letter, do you want the letter to remain ambiguous? It has to be. I think it has to too. And and for me, the only insinuation I think I'd be okay with, and and like I'm talking the lightest insinuation is if that they do insinuate that maybe Rainey's is still alive and, Mm -hmm. and you know, maybe it's essentially a hostage letter, right? Like a ransom letter.
0: I think that's, a. I think that's exactly what it is. Um, but again, I think it's better that we don't know. Yeah. I know it's, there's, there's a phrase called less is more. Yep. This happens in film and, you know, in, in books all the time, you know, sometimes it's better that we don't know the answer to something. Um, to every single little thing, I feel like it takes away the—pardon the uh, pun—the pun, the magic of the story. <laughs> and um, and there's something really, really special about—and um, just this is may just be my personal bias, but I mean, because I love of of what Dorne is. I want the uh, the mystique and the mystery and the uh, the strength of Dorne to be taken away. If, if you reveal such a, a a big important set piece of the story, you know what I mean yeah and
1: I worry that you know like the the Dorn shorten the storyline was so shortened and 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 the pace of it was just sped up and I'd say 90 percent of it was yeah. left out of the show that I feel like if we did dive was, too deep was, yeah. into yeah. Dornish history some people might just be confused because a lot of those those kind of later ideas and things that you know were repercussions of those events mm-hmm. weren't included in the show
0: that's a good point but at the same time i think people were so uh turned off by the dorn stuff True. that i feel like dorn again this maybe this is just personal bias but i'll just i'll just say personally i feel like dorn deserves another shot because their history is just as rich and and i think there's something to be said about the fact that dorn was the only kingdom in westeros that was never conquered i yeah. think there's something uh and the fact that people people love stuff in the show but they loved Oberin. Uh Oberyn Martell is probably one of the uh, is one of the top 5 best characters of the series. Absolutely. Um he's fantastic. And if you include uh histories in this Targaryen, you know, or Fire and Blood show and if you include like you show why they were so strong you you show why someone like Oberyn has the uh yeah his, his leniency yep it is you know yep. he's like he comes from a long li- the martells come from a long line of powerful people um uh, even in very subtle ways Once- i just think i think that's just good storytelling and i think that just uh that that does a disservice if you don't include it
1: um, and I was going to say, I actually yeah. don't think they can do it without including it. Like, I think that piece of the story, the dorm piece of the puzzle in the first 280 years after conquest uh, to mm-hmm. ignore that whatsoever will belittle the rest of the story because it's such an integral key in all of that to making That's the story exactly move right. forward without it. The story will need it. You'll need a complete replacement story for it
0: exactly and i don't and i honestly can't think of anything else they would want to uh or, or like why bother
1: well that's the thing it right with something else i mean and none yeah, of the yeah. other things they can tell work into that time period right like i mm-hmm. mean if they go further back and then they're dealing you know if they go around like 50 ac then then we're talking uh alisane and silverwing and that type yes, of stuff yes. you know or if we go further back even before the conquest then we're talking about danus the dreamer and the premonition of the doom of valyria so they Removing Dorn at all mm-hmm. from the AC, the, the after conquest story is a massive mistake. And I actually don't think they'll be able to get away with it.
0: I agree with you. Yeah. And it uh, and there's so many things, especially in those early days uh, that happen in Dorn. You know, we have. Uh, there's, a, there's a big Baratheon storyline that takes place in Dorn, uh, and, and that's another thing. I just I just want I want more Baratheons. Yep. I'm a <laughs> I'm a, I am a total Baratheon chill. As am I, man. A, well, the, tragedy the tragedy of the King Fury, Robert. Yes, sir. Yeah,
1: the tragedy of King Robert. I stand by it. It's a tragedy, no matter how big of an asshole he was. <laughs>
0: it, it's it's a tragedy, even though, and I'll be I'll be the first one to admit it, I love old Bobby B, but uh, Bobby B was a dick. <laughs> he was a massive uh,
1: dick. A big a dick. old. And that's another.
0: Dick. Uh, he was, but and that's another reason why I want Duncan Egg because I want Lionel.
1: Same the year. storm. Oh my god, the end of Man. that story, right? The uh the Sir Dunk versus Lionel is one of my favorite moments cinematically in all of a song of ice and fire. The way that's written is amazing.
0: Yes, and yeah. then I just I, I love that he is one of the first to join uh Duncan in the uh the uh the trial by seven. He's yep. one of the seven that, yep. that fight alongside with him. And he's the I mean he's he is when I was reading it, I go, Oh my god, of course robert this is this is robert
1: mm-hmm. it this is. is who
0: this is yep and uh and i believe he is uh what is he is he robert's great-grandfather uh i he believe he'd be his great-grandfather
1: grandfather, i believe
0: great-grandfather yeah. i believe yeah it's a yeah. great-grandfather it's a 100 years so it's yeah. gotta be something yeah like that. <laughs> and this is great uh grandfather and uh but he is totally robert all the way he's called the laughing storm you know it's <laughs> yep he's, he's laughing he is fighting and laughing yep. that's
1: that's it's, Robert. I That's, picture in, Robert in, in when that. I'm reading that, right? Because the way they describe him, like swinging, swinging around so jovially, but he's in combat, and they make mm-hmm. it seem like he's just at home in that setting, right? Which feels and like he, Robert he, to
0: me. He's got the warhammer. He's got the antlered helm. Yep. I guarantee you. I, you know, I, I wonder if Robert's antlered helm is the one passed down.
1: Ooh. Generation.
0: And in my head canon, I'm going to assume his antlered helm is the one worn by I, I think that's a thing. And, and in my head cannon, it is a thing. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, which as far as I know, that helm has not received uh, irreparable damage. So, you know, Lionel was a, was a really good fighter then.
1: Yeah. And I mean, they, they set up this fight to be one of the most cinematic, I think both, both mm-hmm. Duncan versus Lionel. And then the, the trial of this was it the trial of the seven.
0: It's a, a oh, trial by seven? By, seven, by seven you know yeah. in, instead yeah. of straight up uh, trial by combat it seven, is trial by combat warriors, but it's it right? a uh, 7 against 7 people yeah
1: yeah uh so that scene is also one of those moments that I think is is cinematically painted to the point where we have to see it like there's Absolutely. there's no way when they're flipping through these histories that they read that and say okay well that's not a candidate to be used there's no way that happens so yeah, there's have, yeah it's got to uh, happen
0: I yeah, I have all 3 of the uh Duncan Egg series on in in graphic novel form. Same here. So that the whole scene, I mean, well the whole book all the books are painted and uh and colored just beautifully. Yep. And um and yeah, you're right. Even even on comic book form are so cinematic and so gorgeous and I mean, it's <laughs> it's a it would be a crying shame if they didn't give us that uh, uh in film version, I, and mean, I think we're,
1: we're owed. We are. I was just gonna say that we're owed, and I think that, like, like I don't mean to be entitled. We are just talking about this entitlement, but I think to some extent, like those, <laughs> like, damn it. those we of just, us, yeah, contradict myself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> here we go. Time to contradict. So, <laughs> to be entitled for half a moment, I think that yeah. people like us who have invested into these stories, all we don't want the whole story to be about some far off concept that regular viewers aren't gonna understand. All no. we want is the nods to the things we love, and I think when we're sitting here talking about Duncan and Lionel, I think you and I are picturing that same frame from the comic mm-hmm. where it's where it's Dunk looking over his left shoulder at Lionel. Yep. And you can see That's the exactly antler right. helm in perfect condition. That like that is a a shot that is absolutely made for shot. camera, right? So it's yeah that that has it is. to happen.
0: And 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 I studied that panel uh, a lot just because, like I said, I'm a I'm a Baratheon chill. So when Duncan or uh when Lionel shows up, I'm like, yeah, here we go. Yeah, Baratheon. <laughs> I am I am straight up House Baratheon. Yep. Uh, uh minus the height. But uh <laughs> it looks an awful lot. We only get to see Robert's antlered helm in the show once. One time. And it's yep. and it's very brief.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Similarities. And you might say, well, that's just a coincidence he's a baratheon why not it's like yeah but eh, come on <laughs> you know it's like it, it, like i said in, in my headcanon i'm just gonna assume that it's uh it's the same one and because since it's like this was your great-grandfather's helm you should wear it because look he, he fought in the uh what was the name of the tourney that the trial by seven took place
1: uh hold on i'll find out i can't remember off the top there my head. you
0: go the, that tourney, I mean, just you, you think about it. You think about uh, Stefan Baratheon, the, uh, Robert's father. Yep. You know, well, I guess technically he wouldn't have to hand it down because they died when the boys were were kids. But still, think about uh, Stefan showing Robert and Stannis and even Renly if he's tagging along, go like, "This was your your great grandfather's helm." he was called the laughing storm you know he he fought an attorney of so and so he he, had, he was in a trial by seven which is something no one ever does and he survived he he uh he he fought many men he killed many he and look at the look at it look, it's in pristine condition i haven't touched it Yep. i wore the you know and then uh Raging i'm right. sure Steppen had and- his battles and uh he's like i wore this in the battle of so and so and one day you boys will wear this and blah 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 blah, blah.
1: <laughs> it's like passing down the family gun kind of thing right
0: it's like this this is our i mean our we are the lords of storm end so your birthright is the seat the totem to hand down to you it's going to be this helm you know we can we can always make you guys different war hammers if you prefer whatever but this helm is special so that i like to think of it that way yeah it's i it's, could be it's completely a, wrong it's a totem I mean, no and whatever. i like
1: that man that's that's what we've come to know from the world of ice and fire is that all of these families have items swords weapons armor things that they hand down from generation to generation uh exactly. it's, it's it's not just a symbol of honor it's a symbol of trust it's a symbol of faith it it means mm-hmm. more to those people than it does to us like you know for us it's a visual totem and I'm you know me I'm I'm yeah. crazy into character motivations and I I always like <laughs> to think that when those people have that sword or are wearing that helmet that they feel like they're imbued with a you know an adrenaline or a sense of, of uh, purpose and, and confidence that they wouldn't have otherwise had. It's it's exactly. it's like it's like standing with a gun in a knife fight. Right?
0: That's exactly right. Yeah. And also I mean it would it would make so much more uh, I guess it, it would be really poetic albeit sad poetry. But very poetic in the fact that Robert wore that helm Targaryen to seemingly end the Targaryen line, or for a time, yeah. so he thought. You know, his enemy Rhaegar Targaryen, who, by the way, people forget the Targaryens and the Baratheons are related. Yep,
1: everybody forgets I mean, that. Good old. Everyone Horace. forgets that, and that's <laughs> that's
0: another thing that I'm really looking forward to fire this Fire and Blood show is the. Let's show me Aegon and Oris Baratheon, the first yeah. Baratheon, his his uh his bastard brother.
1: Yep. Show me Oris yes. showing up at at Argilac at Storm's End, and and the absolutely. meeting with Argilac and 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 Argella, and like I I'd love to see that. That's one of those that things is, that if they're doing absolutely what I want, if they're doing anthology seasons, I feel like we could do like if they go that way, I feel like they could easily do the first thirty-seven to forty years AC as one mm-hmm. season, if they really wanted to. There's a lot to conquer I mean, in there yeah. to 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 do in there but if they're not shortening episodes and they're just doing it however they want I mean I am okay with that. I'm okay with with you know long episodes and and convenient release sure, and if they're yeah. doing it on a streaming platform then they don't really have to worry that much, right?
0: I mean yeah, it's true and I mean there's there's so much history in this in this book as we've said before that they could literally it's almost endless the possibilities they could do and uh where they could go with the story. They could do four whole seasons just based on what's up with the Barath- the baratheans over at Storm's End. What are they up to? As long as like, they, they call it f- what's yeah. up with the Baratheons. That's a uh, that's that's my uh my uh spin-off head show. There you go. So what's up with it's it's in the format of a uh
1: sitcom. There you go. Get get that Seinfeld baselet coming in. <laughs>
0: Exactly. What's up with the yeah. Rathians? Absolutely. I'd, I'd watch the hell out of that. I mean, think of it. A, a sitcom based in this this fantasy Western world. Oh um, man. sign okay. me up. Absolutely I just had one
1: last thought here, Targaryen thought. A dragon horn. The one that Euron has. Oh, well, the, the show watchers don't, don't know about that. Oh, man. yeah, okay. So, <laughs> sorry, I should probably preface that with <laughs> book spoiler. Um, I mean, All hey, you, it, yeah. you came here, blame yourself. So, <laughs> uh, basically, there's this dragon horn that Euron has and presents at the king's moon and claims basically that it can summon dragons. It's also said to kill the person who blows into it. I can't remember how, but it, it's some horrific way of, of killing the person who blows into it. And Euron uses it kind of. To they cement basically
0: his. bleed out of their orifices.
1: Oh, is that what it is? Terrible. I thought it was something horrible like that. Well, that's yeah. that's what happened to one of those dudes that blew into it. <laughs> and so, like, I, you know, do we see that? Does something like that come in? Does does a a piece from the book that wasn't present in the show? Does that make its way into this prequel? Because it's showing up in the prequel and not showing up later, really doesn't matter, does it?
0: You just reminded me that one one snagging little plot hole, and I'm sure there's a few, but I'm 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 opting to ignore most of them. But there's <laughs> one that one that happened that really bothered me, in season two. And find the uh, the dragon glass for the first time at the fist of the first men. Yep, the horn is there. The horn of winter is there. It is ever see it again <laughs> completely ignored <laughs> completely ignored and why would you bother putting it there if you weren't going to follow up with it i mean they they did a remarkably good job at tying in or uh, uh, like severing all ties yeah at least uh or, or the, the loose threads they tied the loose threads together the best way that they could still irks me <laughs> yeah it's, it's a bother like, man. Because I'm a, because I'm a book reader, like you, and you just you just yeah. went off about the, the horn stuff, and like, okay, so obviously this horn's supposed to be important, right? I mean, we even <laughs> we got that whole scene with Euron Greyjoy. He won the King's Moot. Yep. Horn. Yep. He said, "I'm gonna use it to freaking control dragons and probably break down the wall. I don't know. It's gonna do all kinds <laughs> of crazy shit." And well,
1: that's like, and I'm, "Make me your king." I'm waiting for a moment where it's like the 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 bearer of the the horn of winter and the bearer of the dragon's horn like have to use them kind of against each other for some reason. Like in the books, I feel like that scene has to come to play somehow. That, I mean, maybe so, but, and, but now I think you're right. I think ultimately it's not going to matter. No, no, I think, I think they can get away with showing us things right in these, these prequel shows they can get away with being like, Oh, here's a cool thing that we couldn't fit into the the main series.
0: Right. that, I mean that's that's a fantastic idea, and I, I think you are onto something there. I just hope and pray that everyone else is on board with that idea. <laughs> because, no kidding, because if not, and then and then they'll they'll have to worry about the uh, the ramifications of it later. Of people going, well, why did you not introduce us to this over here, but you're giving us this now? And what the 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 the? It's like, don't worry about it. It's a TV show. <laughs> Shut up. It's like I get it, I get it, but at the same time, like, come on. (laughs) And I, and that's another question that we have to ask ourselves is how strongly are the showrunners of both respectable shows? uh, Theoretically, how, how strong are they going to hold to continuity?
1: Yeah. And I mean, who knows? I'd like to think that they're going to go the route of, of doing their best to hold the continuity, but using that kind of um, shifting perspective that George loves so much and the, you know, invalid histories and things like that. I, I love that. And I'm okay if they right, play yeah. into that a little heavy. Like one of the Jingle, things... Sorry,
0: go ahead. Goldman's got the, the, the best case scenario here because oh, yeah. the uh, uh, the prequel show, aka Blood Moon, whatever it's called, The long, the Longest Night, uh, that's going to take place so many years before oh, yeah. the events of Game of Thrones that y- you basically have free territory to do almost whatever the hell you want. So, four, which is cool. But at the same time, well, here's the problem. Good problem to have, but it's also a problem because <laughs> it, it probably limits some of your creative uh, freedoms. Not only did we get a TV show that gave us, uh, within it, within each episode, gave us certain uh, aspects of the histories and lore, but if you get the Blu-rays, uh, the little lore segments that oh, are so animated... Good. And you get more histories about what's going on in Westeros. And all of those uh, segments of the lore are supposed to tie in to not just, I mean, it's not just from the books, but it's supposed to tie into the show. And they've done a pretty good job of, of balancing that out. But now the problem is those uh, lore segments as canon, as far as the show goes. So now if you do these prequel shows, you have an obligation to uphold those uh those segments as absolutely
1: uh as canon. Yeah, I'm I'm totally. But with then you. if you ignore it, if you ignore it, you're gonna you're gonna piss off a lot of people, I think. And I mean, I I'd like to think so because I mean, for me, you know, I I didn't watch hours of of the histories and lore because I didn't know what was going on. I watched it because I wanted to see what the the new history that the show world was telling us. You know, like mm-hmm. I wanted I wanted to know the new version of the history we already kind of knew. And, and I'm okay yeah. with that. So I really hope they stick to that and continue to divide these continuities and just use the one to influence the other. I'm okay with that. An, an adaptation that's fairly you. faithful, you know? Uh,
0: it's just, uh, it's, it's cool to get them because uh, those, those segments are narrated by... Uh, characters from yeah. the show, yeah, and it's really it's really cool having them involved in there. And the the animations are the segments are really cool. It's it's really nice to see. Uh, this is why we're never gonna get what happens with this Fire and Blood show. We're never gonna get Robert's Rebellion because no. there's too much there's too much of that story that's already been told yep. uh, via through Game of Thrones, and then also the uh, those animated uh, lore segments. Yep a lot of the backstory matter of fact we get a lot of the same story told in different perspectives yeah we do and that's and i guess that's another thing to think about is which perspective are we going to be watching these shows in
1: See, that's that's where i wonder that's why i went to that egg pov character thing because who else who who else do we follow in this time period and and even remotely like that's true that's that's very
0: true um it would be a difficult sell to make uh even though it's (laughs) even though the story of of the hedge knight dunk is uh sir Duncan the tall is uh or focused on him he's really hard to root for in terms of a tv show oh yeah because he's like he's this big idiot right yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah.
1: like like i like i mentioned earlier
0: he he rarely succeeds yep um you have something there and uh yeah, we should we should follow Egg and through Egg we get more with uh with his family, uh Aemon Targaryen, who yep. becomes uh uh Maester Aemon. That's a fun fact for all you kids. Blood <laughs> Raven, Ares Rivers. Oh um uh, Brendan see... Rivers, I'm sorry, so, so I'm gonna we watch that we Ares.
1: immediately can say we're not gonna see blood Blood Raven, right? Because of how tied in that story is, how much it contradicts the what we've seen in the show can we can we fairly say we're not going to see blood raven
0: we can't fairly say it but we can say probably we won't see the version we,
1: of him we know
0: only because um we don't get to know uh max von cdow's uh we don't get to know his actual name in that is show. true
1: that is true I, i'm just assuming that's very o- true
0: only in the books do we get uh at one point i was called brendan Yeah, and then of course you know, aka Brendan Targaryen, who's Hand of the King. You yep. know, he's got uh, Brendan Rivers. They say he has he has a thousand eyes and one, and blah blah blah. And yep. it's like, oh well, that's clearly the three eyed race. Yeah. So, oh <laughs> shit, that's them. Um, but but you're right. The version that we've been introduced to in the show, we probably won't get. Which is that may be another reason why they're not pulling the trigger on Duncan Egg right now. Yep. Uh, because. I don't know that uh if if they've had that conversation how they clean that up or how they retcon it and if they retcon it then it's like okay cool so then which one is canon and which one is not yeah um uh, it's a mess and George kind of he's he's spoken outward about this Yes. Of, uh well when you change one thing then two other things have to change and then next thing you know you have a whole a whole season 5 of changes uh he didn't say that I said <laughs> um
1: it's true, uh, so, though, man. Um, and I think the only thing that I feel like we could be we could be kind of saved by with the histories and lore is that they are told by the characters. You know, it's not uh-huh. just the actor; yeah. it is the it is the actor playing the character reading those. So I feel like they could also skate by saying, "Hey, well, that's just a, an oral history passed down from brother to sister, or passed right. down from and, father to son, right?"
0: And it wouldn't be and it wouldn't be out of context as so much as uh, we what we've gotten in the shows because that whole thing is told by a uh, different perspective
1: of exactly, people. yep.
0: And it's not, it's, it's still, uh, on brand, so to speak.
1: Yeah. Yep. Uh,
0: Thomas final thoughts on what you're, uh, anything you're really, really hoping for out of all that, that we've discussed, what do you truly hope for in this, uh, fire and blood prequel that we're going to get? Is it, you know, is there a particular scene you mentioned it before, but is there a particular scene or is there just something you just really hope overall? that we get from this series
1: so the scene you know we talked about duncan and lionel but actually but the scene that i really want to see is is duncan doing his best to save everybody essentially burning and melting inside his own armor inside summer hall when the tragedy happens you know because that that spill on the on the page has still left us with the line the but for the valor of the lord commander is the last line on that page so I love I've always loved that's the idea that you know. Dunk dies honorably doing what every knight should do, which is protect the people he's sworn to protect. And and it's you know and, and it's yeah. it's the reason Rhaegar was born amidst the smoke of that event. Right. I'm not hey, I'm not I'm not pulling Azora high things here. I'm just saying he was born amidst the, the tragedy, right? So there's there's the idea that he essentially saved the line. And for me, yeah. that's I wanna see that. You know, that be, be or, careful, uh,
0: be careful endorsing that uh prophecy cause Yeah, And he was way (laughs) wrong. (laughs) Uh,
1: And the only other thing that I'd love to see, man, and I actually think it could be a great way to close out a series that edges up to what we've already seen um, is the defiance of Duskendale, that, that Barristan Selmy going in single-handedly to save Ares when he's been kidnapped. And like that, you know, that's that's a whole season. Yeah. That's, that's,
0: that's essentially, uh, one of the, uh, events that kind of, um, flip the switch on Ares.
1: Yep. And in my head, I'm picturing the final image of this, you know, however many seasons it runs to tell that story. They get him back. They sit him on the throne and we start to see the descent into madness. And it doesn't take long because historically it didn't take long. Um, no it didn't that's, took, that's took what i like say like that
0: that event right? it was kind of the um i'm there were other things clearly sure but i mean that event was the biggest catalyst yep that uh, turned on that uh, targaryen madness that is so famous within their
1: bloodlines and i'm just picturing this last shot man of of the mad king screaming burn them all and that the show just fades into what we know we don't need robert's rebellion we don't need that story. We've already gotten too much of it. Like you said, I'd still love to see it as a fan, but I feel like mm-hmm. they're not going to go there just cause it's, we've already seen too much of it. Like you said, and well, and to yeah, end it and, like uh, that would be a nice edge up, you know?
0: And, and to contradict what even I said, uh, like HBO loves to do film versions Ooh, of their shows. So, Robert I mean, Herbillion. so if how much you want to, here's a, here's a, here's a gentleman's agreement. How much you want to bet if, <laughs> if fire and blood or whatever they call it the this targaryen prequel show if it is remotely successful and they're able to go multiple seasons with this thing how much do you, how much do you wager <laughs> if if nothing else we'll see at least an hbo movie adaptation of robert's rebellion
1: oh i got to let's let's put 20 bucks on it man because i'm feeling pretty strongly about it 20
0: gold dragons he 20 says 20 gold well, dragons <laughs> I will I will match it and uh <laughs> chances are I will be broke at the end of it. Uh because you never know. Uh like I said, <laughs> it's, it's a contradiction because chances are they're never gonna do it because George would be like, Why bother? There's yeah. no point. We know we know the
1: endings like, yeah. yeah,
0: we know the ending, but technically we know how the rest of the story ends and you're still doing prequels. So hey <laughs> he, you he know, just
1: leans and, into his cell phone, and does the old I don't think there's much of a purpose there.
0: Like I don't get it, but uh, you know, you know, yeah, just move on. It's it's it's, it's totally fine, and yeah. Yeah, it's, oh, it's wonderful. Apologies, apologies to George. <laughs> Sorry, George. Just so easy, <laughs> so easy to imitate. Um, and then, uh, and and lastly, I'll uh a little fun, a fun question for you. Assume that this uh fire and blood show will detail. Stroos by Aegon. Who do you want to see? Of Aegon the
1: Conqueror. Oh, who do I want to see? Sort of just cut out a little bit at the end. There is it? Who do I want to see? Just in that that story during the conquest, during Aegon's conquest? I, no. Who who do you want to see uh, cast in the role ooh, as Aegon? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay. So my my choice here is probably not traditional, and and it's probably not great. But I always thought Guy Pierce would make a good Aegon. Um, oh wow! Yeah. Yeah, and like I don't know that he'd go do TV, but, I mean, Game of Thrones is pretty huge, so I feel like if there's ever a chance, he'd be a great one. Um, aside from at that, to be point, honest, I haven't thought of at, it a whole lot.
0: At this point, anybody will do TV because TV is the new thing now because TV thing. is so good these days. Yeah, that's um, so true. Thanks thanks in no small part due to shows like Game of Thrones.
1: Or Chris I mean, Hemsworth.
0: I mean, that. See I, that's... Initially when I first heard like about him. this news, I go, I go, you know the score an A lister for the show to bring people in, Hemsworth yep. is a good way to go. And then in that same vein, my brain went He is Oris Baratheon,
1: Ooh, Henry Cavill. Good cast, man. Good Absolutely, cast. Absolutely. And you know Cavill. who could play a wicked Visenya Is Katie Sackoff. Oh man. Yeah. So then the only
0: problem—the <laughs> only problem with that. Apologies to Katie, but her British accent is atrocious. <laughs> is uh, it? Oh, oof. <laughs> well, she, I mean, she ruined—she ruined that for me in her uh, tenure on the Flash. So. <laughs> oh yikes. yeah, that's uh, right.
1: That's right. I forgot about that.
0: <laughs> you know, you know, maybe if she works on it and does, it makes it less cartoony. Then yeah, yep. I'm right there with you. What about Rainey? Um, This might be a cheat answer because I'm not, uh, thinking. Cl- well, okay, here you go. Between either Catherine Winnick, uh, Ooh. from the show Vikings. Ooh. Eva Green.
1: Okay. That's hard for me, man. Uh, that's a, yeah, that's a, that's a difficult one. Catherine honestly, Winnick's a great poll.
0: That might seem obvious because, you know, Vikings and, and, and Game of Thrones are so, you know, they're not even related because they're two different shows, but they're they're put in the same category because of what they are. Because mm-hmm.
1: they're both that kind um, of. Ca- yeah, sorry.
0: Go ahead. They both deal with with a with a his a time in the past that yeah. whatever it fantasized and
1: twisted twisted on its head, right?
0: Right, but she knows how to handle a sword, and she knows how to
1: fight, and she knows how to act, and frankly, she kind of looks like she could be Targaryen. I almost so want her to, to be Visenya. Now that you say that, for rainies I almost want her to play Visenya now. Well, there you go. But yeah, I feel like just, it has you, to be someone a little more, um, oh, what's the word? Authoritative. You know, I can see katherine sure. Winnick's great yeah. in um, as Lagertha and Vikings. But I've always, I've always felt like that's just the moments where I, I don't totally buy Lagertha is in those, those authoritative moments. So like, I, I wonder, you know, I wonder oh, if she could pull that. So I wonder who, who else can pull off those. Cause Visenya is a, a, you know, a somewhat dominating and, and, and fright inducing character in, in most men in that time. Right. Most men aren't used to a woman like that in those times. Well, that's true. But I mean,
0: but even, uh, even Lagatha has her moments, especially when, when she becomes the, uh, the, or or the queen of, uh, of Catagot. That's very true. She has her moments where she is quite, quite authoritative and scary. That's prime Lagatha right there. Or if not her, maybe, uh, maybe that, that, I'm blanking on her name, but that girl from Black Sails, uh, I thought she was pretty fantastic.
1: Uh, oh, I can't remember her name for the life of me. It's been show. a while since I watched that show. Um, and it
0: wouldn't be off-brand because uh, one of the one of the stars of Black Sails became the new uh, uh, On Tarly. Yep.
1: So, so <laughs> hey, right. you know, you know, we're That's just gonna, right. let's
0: just grab all these all these actors. But, oh, uh, Dickon. I just I I'm I'm a total sucker for Ava Green. So I and I just think she needs to be in the limelight more. So I agree. hell. Put her in this show. Yep. Put her in the. Uh, put her with Naomi Scott in the uh, Blood Moon. Whatever prequel, of the longest, last night, the darkest night, night. The last blood moon of the night. <laughs> uh, there you go.
1: You heard it here, folks. It's the official it title. Is,
0: it's, yeah, that's that's the official title. Uh, I trademarked it. They owe me some money if they go with it, and uh, <laughs> I will humbly accept it. And that I think is gonna do it for this edition of Mark Talk, this special edition where we talk nothing but the world of ice and fire. What is to come in this fire and blood series? What is to come in the, the biggest <laughs> moon you ever did see in Westeros? Uh, uh, we don't know. They're, they are, they are v- being very hush hush. going to come back and do his own show. Uh, the news reports say no, but I'm inclined to think maybe he will. Uh, and that'll do it. Thomas, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for, for being here that you're, you are my first guest on Mark Talk.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me on, man. I'm honored to be the first guest. I'm honored to be a guest at all. It's, it's tons of fun to be talking Game of Thrones with you. It's kind of how we got together. So it's always fun to revisit that and do it together
0: absolutely when when this news broke i i could think of no one else i wanted to talk about this with uh uh maybe other than ken Napsog, but he's a busy man i can't i can't get a hold of him. he me, is a busy so man get, it's fine and he beat me to the punch anyways it's like all right cool cool you you said your piece you got it
1: um, i'm, I'm honored to be the second choice
0: it was i would say it's more of a tie between first if i could get you both on simultaneously that's perfection but awesome. uh Tell tell the good people listening where they can find you, what you're up to, and uh, what they can look forward to.
1: Yeah, of course. You can find me on Twitter at Thomas Ristling and on Instagram at T Ristling. Do a few podcasts, Ruminations, Casterly Talk occasionally, and a new podcast, Be Home by Dinner with Jeff Saunders. That's all about nostalgia. All of those are available on Anchor, iTunes, and most other podcast hosts. Just check them out. Shoot me a message if you need to know. Uh, also, please check out the Movie Trivia Face Off on YouTube and across all social media platforms. And that's it for my long-winded plugs.
0: You should absolutely check out all of those things, and especially the movie trivia face-off. You might see a familiar face by someone that goes by the maniac. And if you know me, you know I'm all about the maniacal things. Hint, hint. <laughs> <laughs> you can always find me on Twitter and Instagram at MarkTheBat. There is also at Mark talk podcast on Instagram uh it's it's, it's still growing it's it's still uh, you know I, I'm on it when I need to be but you know you're better off just following my uh, comings and goings and me acting like an idiot forms but uh, thank you for joining thank you for listening good chat everyone and offend uh, I well okay I'm not gonna edit that one out either I'm gonna say <laughs> a fond farewell. The night is dark and full of terrors, but Mark Talk is full of joy.